0: Now that we've walked through the history of NFTs and also discussed why they stuck around during a huge crypto bear market, it's time to talk about the future of non-fungible tokens. Before we do, if you've not already done so, please go and listen to part one and two of this audio documentary on the history and future of
1: NFTs.
0: (laughs) NFTs to many seem nebulous, in the fact that it's really hard for many to imagine all the parts of our lives that they're going to touch and to what extent. Having said that, it's hard to imagine something as vibrant and magical as this space not having a huge impact across many facets of our lives. NFTs seem nebulous. In fact it is really hard to fully imagine all the parts of our lives they're going to touch and to what extent. Having said that, it's hard to imagine something as vibrant and magical as this space and community not having a huge impact across all facets of our lives. So far, through all the experts we've interviewed, it's clear that NFTs will be all-encompassing. We, as humans, via blockchain technology, have stumbled upon something that is a paradigm shift in how we interact online. How we interact with the internet, how we interact with communities, how business models interact with content and media, how artists monetize, market and generate fan bases through a direct-to-creator economy, how musicians are paid from a royalty perspective how games are geared to work for the user and not platforms. The genesis of crypto, and therefore NFTs, was Bitcoin, a direct response to the 2008 economic crash from hackers wanting to take back control of the global financial system. By 2013, Bitcoin had captivated enough attention and capital to the point that many had started reimagining what the future of money looked like. Ethereum shortly followed in 2015, which would go on to become the payment and settlement rails for a new form of decentralized finance. The Ethereum blockchain enabled NFTs to come along and rock the creative industries. This was suddenly a reimagining of everything we'd ever done, especially in a digital sense. As Daniel Maygard, a large investor and collector in the space puts it, You know, like, I think what Bitcoin did to finance, NFTs are going to do for everything else. So I I think we are going to see, like, this, like, you know, revolution. Basically, everything is going to be tokenized because it's going to get to a point where if your product isn't tokenized, like, you're no longer going to be competitive. many in this space, there is inevitability to NFT's adoption and the impact on the world around us. But some, especially those that have gone through other web technology cycles like the social media revolution, there is a sense of history and that perhaps NFTs going mainstream won't all be a bed of roses. Will mainstream media, artists and large corporations add value to the NFT space? Or will they somehow water down the essence of what makes NFTs NFTs and its fledgling community and somewhat anarchic counterculture? We asked all the interviewees for their hopes and fears for the future of NFTs. Interestingly, going mainstream elicited both excitement and concern. Well Shark, for example, sees the adoption of NFTs by influencers and coverage by mainstream media as a net positive an indication that the world is waking up to the value of digital goods only made possible through blockchain technology and tokenization.
2: I am fully confident now, particularly after what has, ha- what has happened over the last three months, that NFTs are not only going to increase, but they are here to stay for the mainstream. What we see, and I, I love seeing this, is that many projects are taking non-fungible technology, and really putting it in the back, in the back behind the product experience, rather than as a key feature within their project base. What I see moving forward and what I hope for is that NFTs will be ubiquitous in anywhere where digital goods are being traded, being given or being sold. And what you see from a lot of the projects in mainstream media, what you see from a lot of the influencers, what you see from pretty much the entire world at this point is a sudden realization that digital goods can truly be worth something through the tokenization of them on the blockchain, which is NFT technology.
0: But can NFTs go mainstream without compromising on its values that are core to the heart of what has made them so great? That punk, slightly anti establishment, community driven energy surely can't be maintained if NFTs are to be used at scale by large brands and corporations. For Angie Taylor, the thought of mainstream and a more capitalistic culture creeping into the space is a concern. In her words, when success, popularity and mainstream appeal is involved, it can have a smothering effect on early adopters.
3: I think it's unavoidable in a way that when something becomes more successful or more popular, that the people who are only interested in it for the financial gains get involved. Yeah, that, that has a a few different effects so one effect is that people that were there at the beginning uh, get kind of smothered by it and want to leave get disillusioned Um. also I think some of the people that are there at the beginning are naturally into new fresh things so as soon as something becomes stale or mainstream they have this kind of natural urge to want to find the next big thing particularly outsiders. If you've always been an outsider growing up, you're used to being an outsider. So you don't want to be in the mainstream. You want to be where you feel comfortable, even though it's not where you would have chosen to be in the first place. So um I think that happens. I think also the people that are in it for the money are probably more ambitious and more confident people. So they, they tend to then take over and then it changes because the whole kind of spirit of it is with the people that did it through the, through passion, not through wanting to make a quick buck.
0: There's general optimism and positivity for the future of NFTs But across many of my interviews, there's been a consistent concern that there are more new people entering the space, sucking up media attention away from its early adopters and natives, without an appreciation for its culture and principles. The reason for this, of course, is money. As Angie rightly mentions, NFTs are already experiencing a kind of gentrification through their popularisation. When we talk about money... It isn't simply corporations or celebrities like with ICO's initial coin offerings in 2017. The numbers and headlines will attract many into NFTs with the sole purpose of making money. But aside from blatant cash grabs like with ICO's, mass greed can overtake rational behavior, causing demand to outpace genuine supply and innovation leading to speculative bubbles well we are now in august 2021 and over the course of recording these interviews we have already experienced a severe wider crypto market crash and what some felt was a silent crash in nfts where whilst price floors didn't fall demand temporarily dried up however in both crypto and nfts this was short-lived in fact arguably more so in nfts than wider crypto which at the time of recording has already recovered between 70 to 80%. When asking Moxley, a CryptoPunks moderator, Joy, an NFT artist, Connie Digital, an NFT creator, Matthew Ferrick, producer at Nifty Gateway, and Lupify, an NFT collector, what their fears for the future of the space were, the get-rich-quick, money-grab aspect shone through as the crux of what they were scared of happening to the NFT space.
1: I think my biggest fear is just kind of seeing kind of money grabs going on. The NFT space kind of get flooded with just kind of cheap copy crap that are just, just quick money grabs to generate, you know, a bunch of cute pixelated things that a project's going to be abandoned almost immediately after the person behind it, you know, sells them all and, and just kind of other you know greedy cash grabs like that, you know, flooding the space with a lot of just junk. And because uh, we really kind of saw that in, in the, uh, the ico period and that was pretty disheartening and and i know it's going to happen now i just hope that you know the NFT community at large can withstand it and filter through it all and uh you know come out hopefully stronger and more organized because of it
4: um my fear is that people will see that which i do see a lot of happening and then people see that and they say how do i get rich off nfts <laughs> i will make a thing into nft and get rich um, I feel that's very abusive to the kind of community where it's like we're all kind of supporting each other and building a thing. Um, so I fear if that continues and it becomes a very kind of a um, too abused type of system.
5: I'm fearful that what we're seeing right now is a lot of attention coming in because of celebrities jumping into the space and um, big name brands and things like that. And from my perspective, it almost feels like a cash grab uh, because they see crypto artists making a lot of money. And they want to be a part of that, which I I understand there's nothing wrong with making money, but I, I think that some of the approaches could be a, a little more tactful. I think some of the celebrities and bigger names coming into the space space should spend time communicating with the community, uh, integrating within the community, learning as much as possible, being a part of this revolution opposed to just being an outsider coming in, uh, to earn a quick buck, uh, so i'm i'm kind of fearful that the spirit of of how it started kind of gets eroded
4: and sort of the flip side of that is my fear that other more cash grabby projects flood the space in too high a number in the short term and turn too many people off to the idea of NFTs you can already start to see it today in how the traditional art world in particular is viewing NFTs um there's a there's a hysteria that is building the jerry salts the jerry gagosians of the traditional art world are conniptions right now over nfts and there's this fundamental misunderstanding that nfts are this fad that just happened right now that covid made possible and that it won't be around and all these other like negative things and misunderstandings that they're beginning to kind of uh, preach to their communities and spreading this misinformation and if That sort of misinformation is coupled with these cash grabby attempts where celebrities or influencers hop in just to make a quick buck and hop out and leave a really sour taste in the mouths of their fans and collectors. I feel like that could potentially snowball in a very negative way that would impact the prospects of the space for the short term.
6: It, it reminds me of the 2017 ICO movement. I was I did not know what crypto was then, but I've uh, been researching when I found out about crypto. And it reminds me a lot about what we saw then or what happened back in 2017. And I think right now we have celebrities like Mark Cuban, Gary Vee, and then we have celebrities like Paris uh, Hilton. We've got Lindsay Lohan there are two different sides to it. Some some are benefiting from the space, whether that be just an obvious cash grab, but some are learning about the tech. Uh, for example, Gary Vee is very passionate about the space right now. He's showed public interest uh, and is teaching people about it, but then short term, I think celebrities will destroy the space. We're going to have more people coming into it, trying to uh, get a lot of money out of it, and they're going to drain uh, a lot of wallets. <laughs>
0: The current gold rush in NFTs clearly has its drawbacks and arguably could impact the space's reputation in the short to mid-term, as has been mentioned, like with ICOs and crypto in 2018, setting the industry back years. Like with the worst of ICOs, we see celebrities superficially paid to endorse tokens. However, today these celebrities are minting NFTs themselves and directly cashing in from their fans. This on the one hand is introducing NFTs to millions of new audiences, but in many cases is giving them a very watered down and often uninnovative NFT experience and go on to perform poorly in the secondary market, leaving many out of pocket. However, not all celebrities have come into the space with bad intentions. Some have done their homework beforehand and been very considered in their approach and respectfulness towards its early adopter community. As our interviewees continue to emphasise, understanding NFTs, what they mean and the technology behind them is incredibly important. And new joiners should be looking to bring value, not just extracting money. We've seen the likes of Paris Hilton, Logan Paul and Mike Tyson sell NFTs to their communities. Sometimes they feel, at best, experimental, or worse, something executed without their involvement by their management teams. Pretty much just another social media campaign. Perhaps in five years' time, Logan Paul would be a core cog in the NFT ecosystem. Paris Hilton has certainly been a supporter of crypto for some time and is generally well regarded by significant parts of the NFT community. However, for now, many celebrity activities in the space do feel like cash grabs. Lupefy's quote, short term, I think celebrities will destroy the space, is powerful. There are, however, some celebrities that are genuinely showing enthusiasm and advocating for the space and further pushing its boundaries with what's possible. Gary Vee, entrepreneur and creator of v Friends, which went on to sell tickets as NFTs to his future conferences and various other membership perks, raised tens of millions of dollars. Go on to perform really well in the secondary market. He sees NFTs as a new frontier for and an extension of social media, enabling new ways for humans to form relationships digitally. To him, before launching an NFT project, it was important to do serious desk research to really understand their potential and how it will impact the world. As he himself says, He's previously had criticism for being first an outsider in the wine industry to being a fast follower in social media. So it was important for him to be considered and show people that might have previously been sceptical that he was serious. He feels celebrities who don't do this are hurting their brands by putting short-term cash before the health and image of the ecosystem at large and in doing so, hurting their brand long-term.
1: I think a lot of people are hurting their brand instead of gaining, which is a huge, insane mistake when there's so much opportunity in this space. But the lack of patience and respect will hurt them. Don't go for the land grab. Don't go for the headline. This is big deal. This is not a hit and run. This is not a fad. And so you want to be very thoughtful because the economics that you think you're getting in the short term, if you're somebody of big status, big fan base, you're actually losing a lot of money by doing a hit and run because the reality is if you did it smartly and patiently and brought value over the next two decades, you would do far better. Um, So, you know, for me, it's, forget about the economics, it's just reputation. You know, to me, my reputation matters to me tremendously and I want to do things as well as I can. And I think one of the most important things you can do is actually build community, be part of a community, do the right things, try to bring value. And I felt being on chain, you know, teaching people how to get a non-custodial wallet, educating people on gas fees, educating right now because my product sold out, how to not get ripped off on the open sea. There's a lot of, you know, education and spend a year, really taste, learn, listen. Taste, 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 learn, listen, taste, taste, taste. And then when I'm ready to talk, talk from a place of education, not from a place of a quick land grab. It. Fast dollar grab. I, You know, I'm a talker, but I'm only a talker once I really know. And I think it's incredibly important to do homework, to be part of the community, to give, not just take. For example, if you look at Bee friends. I could have gone fiat. I could have done a lot of things that would have helped me make more economics. I could have done not a Dutch auction and let all the whales build it up. I. It was important to me that when people look back on it, they're like, oh, he, because right now everyone's still just figuring it out. But in three years, people are going to absolutely understand and they're going to look back and be like, oh, she did it right. He did it right. She did it wrong. He did it wrong. And... I think it's important to respect the community and be a part of it. I remember when I was the wine guy coming into Web 2.0, there was a lot of similar potential cynicism. Even though I didn't have the awareness or notoriety, I didn't come from web tech. I wasn't from, you know, uh TV, tech TV. I didn't have the scrollable kind of Kevin Rose free cred. And so I had to earn it, and I enjoyed earning it in 2006 7.
0: So, reputation is a critical component and Gary Vee's words should serve as a warning because NFTs act as a form of status within communities and because they live on a blockchain forever. Bad or disingenuous actions are recorded for posterity for all to see. There is no right to be forgotten on a blockchain. Celebrities or not, the attention they bring to the space, whether you see it as detrimental or positive, isn't necessarily what defines NFTs as becoming mainstream. Most importantly, mainstream means greater adoption by everybody. This new web infrastructure needs to both scale technically, but also as a community, and be both an accessible user experience and inclusive community. It needs to be welcoming to new users. With the Beeple sale and Gary Vee's involvement, an increasing amount of the world knows what NFTs are, But it still feels a long way off from when they're used day in, day out in a growing number of use cases by a majority of the digital population. And whilst the values of NFTs and perhaps crypto can be seen as anti-establishment or disruptive to current business models, they could also be hugely transformative too to large tech companies, especially that bring with them scale and billions of users. A silly tuner tells us there's great creative stuff being done, but for our long-term usability, the ecosystem needs support from the web's current mammoths.
7: There's some great creative stuff being done. We know in the industry we have an awful long way to go on usability and we need some support from the likes of Apple, Google, Sony, Microsoft. All of those companies need to help us make NFTs easier to use. I'm totally fine with them getting their cut on things. But I've been saying now repeatedly in private conversations that the the bubble that we've been in, and there is a bubble around this, um, the big thing that needs to come out of that is, is we need support from those big companies to allow us to make NFTs easy to use. So then we can make them more useful, like more cross-utility. And then we can have $1 NFTs that are actually really, really great for people to have, as well as these expensive things. So I'm looking forward to that happening over the next year.
0: This is neither a hope nor fear, more so an expectancy on how these two worlds converge. Stephen Vasilev, CEO of Artifact, a leading metaverse native, digital fashion brand and NFT sneaker company, shares similar thoughts to Silly Tuna and sees the importance of big tech from a user experience perspective. It's not reasonable to expect everyone who buys or uses an NFT in the future to first have to understand the technology and crypto at large. Just like the majority of internet users don't understand how cloud storage works, not everyone who uses tech understands it. To the layman, crypto is complex. Gas fees, minting, smart contracts, all of this can be overwhelming to the end user and limits their adoption. Stephen's fear is that there is currently far too much friction in the system. My main concern is I hope that
8: tech comes out that reduces the amount of friction that allows mainstream and people who don't have the knowledge or the technical skills to understand all of the annoying like gas fees, minting and smart contracts to get involved. So Personally, I want to see more progress in terms of frictionless
0: technology that allows more players into the game. I find that very interesting. So NFTs are currently expensive and not really easy to use for the average person or many use cases. But there are several innovations emerging to help combat this and lower the barrier of entry, at least in the context of digital collectibles. This includes new blockchain protocols like Flow, Polkadot and Tezos, but also many social innovations that help onboard new users that would perhaps be excluded from this new digital economy. Gabby Dizon, co-founder of Yield Guild, have created a powerful way of removing the cost to entry problem to play to earn. Initially within the Axie Infinity ecosystem, where they lend Axies, NFTs to play the game to those who can't afford them, predominantly in emerging markets and countries like the Philippines. The recipients are called scholars and are able to often make more money playing Axie Infinity than they can earn in any other form of local full-time work. During lockdown, this has been a godsend. The hardware, however, is something the NFT community has less control over, where most play-to-earn games, unlike free-to-play on mobile, require a desktop gaming PC or laptop. Whilst play-to-earn brings a form of financial inclusion we've not quite seen on the internet before, it still precludes a huge part of the global population.
8: Yeah, definitely you still need the basics, right? So either a computer or a mobile phone, you need internet. So on the, I would say on the financial access side, what we're doing at Yield Guild is to take away that upfront cost by being able to lend those NFTs to the player. But I think what we're seeing is that You know, if we have these games that can run on, for example, like a $100 Android phone, it actually massively lowers the barrier. And one of the things that we're interested in exploring down the line is what if we can actually lend out these phones as well, right? Then now anyone can participate in the kind of global crypto economy and the cost would not matter as long as you're able to learn a game, learn how to win, apply your own skills because that's still important. And uh, yeah, just be plugged into this global metaverse economy.
0: On the one hand, NFTs, because of their more familiar, less overtly financial use cases, can be considered a gateway drug to bring people into the wider crypto ecosystem and adopt its principles. However, it is still a very small elite group of technically literate Westerns. That said, we can see NFTs making great strides, in particular in verticals like gaming. However, we need to separate the technology and its myriad of use cases, which in the future could extend well beyond the creative industries to insurance policies and loyalty points from today's culture around NFTs and its early use cases of art and collectibles. What facet of our future digital world most of this infrastructure is built around, however, is fascinating. As we've discussed throughout this documentary, the area NFTs have disrupted most to date is the art world. We've had seven-figure sales on digital art since 2018, and Beeple's $69 million sale is one of the most expensive pieces of art ever sold. It's perhaps the most simple use case when it comes to NFTs, and perhaps why it was the one that has generated the most traction. Almost anything and everything can and may be touched or disrupted by NFTs, but one area that's seeing a lot of traction now is gaming. We've touched on Axe Infinity over the course of the documentary, but there is such vast potential for a market that is already extraordinarily large. In 2021, the video game industry is forecasted to generate over $180 billion in revenue. Amazingly, Axie Infinity generated $180 million in revenue alone in July 2021. And that's from one game using NFTs. Pretty insane. Jeff Zerlin, co-founder of Axie Infinity, tells us that they now have almost 1 million daily active users, this for a new game is truly incredible.
9: We now have uh, just about nine hundred and fifty thousand daily active users. Yeah, we have one of the largest Discord servers in the world. Um, we're, I believe, about to be about to hit the server cap, along with Fortnite and Genshin Impact. So, a nice company there. In the last thirty days, the Axie Protocol generated two hundred forty-four million dollars in revenue from marketplace commission and breeding fees. Uh, marketplace commission is actually only 4.25% of in-game spend. Uh, yeah, in the last 30 days, our players actually spent $922 million in peer-to-peer NFT transactions on our in-house marketplace. So yeah, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing exponentially right now. It's at, at around 3 to 5% uh, daily compounded growth around it's been around 30 to 40 percent weekly uh, growth for the last couple of months
0: in 2019 alone video game users spent 87 billion on in-game items skins swords football kits and stadiums all to use in-game on a specific title these figures seem to some ludicrous But what is it that people are doing here? Whether it be for an aesthetic, social status or unlocking new modes of play and skills, the relationship people have with gaming is becoming more important than ever. The social aspect of free-to-play titles are showing people a new way to interact online. Fortnite, for example, hosted a Travis Scott concert in-game, which was attended by over 12 million people worldwide. People turned up with their friends In game, and watched and listened. We've already had a peer into what is next from a gaming standpoint. And games, virtual worlds, avatars, digital concerts are all part of the next frontier that is the metaverse. But if the door to this new world is ajar, NFTs are the key to unlock entirely new levels of engagement and monetization. The 87 billion spent on in game items is, of course, a huge number. The incredible thing is that these items are not truly owned by the user. You are just buying them to use in a game. They're not tradable, you can't sell them, you can't transfer them to another game. This free-to-play model has taken a huge part of the market share of gaming revenue. But much like the web, be it Facebook, Instagram or Google, it isn't really free-to-play, is it? Where effectively you and your data are the product, packaged up and sold to the highest bidder through highly targeted advertising. These in-game economies are closed and built to serve one purpose, to lock in users and extract as much money as possible from the user for as long as possible and put it into the hands of shareholders. In return, the user is of course deriving enjoyment and potentially some social fun with friends, but beyond that, there is simply no monetary reward. Whilst nascent, we know users spend five times more on blockchain NFT games than traditional games. So, why is that? Well, it's because the value earned or bought in game is transferable. A user can exit and cash out at any time. This fluidity of user and wealth means people are more comfortable spending more money because they know they can recoup some or all of that cost and maybe even make a bit of profit on time spent. This is literally a game changer that promises to be transformational and irresistible to the gaming industry more than it is disruptive. Sebastian Borghett, president of the BGA, the Blockchain Gaming Alliance, and co-founder of The Sandbox... (coughs) The Sandbox is a virtual world where players can build, own and monetize their gaming experiences on the Ethereum blockchain using the platform's utility token, SAND. Players can create digital assets in the form of non-fungible tokens, upload them to the marketplace and integrate them into games with GameMaker. Blockchain Gaming Alliance and co-founder of The Sandbox, Tells us that finally NFTs will bring benefit to users via gaming.
10: I think we've been able, through the time, through the media coverage, to raise more awareness, definitely to give more exposure and visibility to our members, and hence now uh, even the bigger companies, of course, Ubisoft, Square Enix, um, Atari, and I can mention a few more that haven't been public yet. About it are looking closely at the possibilities of nFTs are really considering finally the benefits for their users as well. so the minds are changing the approach of uh, having a centralized developer exploiting an economy in a centra- in a closed manner, we know like free to play couldn't last forever because it only relies on three percent of the user and that are paying. The whales and those users are, if they are not specially treated over time, whenever there's a new model that comes and offer more benefits, more better treatment, better community sentiment to them, we know that it would be coming to a point where um, it's an easy choice, like It's great to see that interest raising. It's great to see more and more members joining the BGA as well and becoming themselves vocal about the benefit. And and it's great that we'll see more and more of those change happening in the future and more companies going public about the fact that they are embracing NFTs for the benefit of their users and communities.
0: Free to play was never going to last forever relying on just 3% of users and whales to drive your in-game economy is simply not long-term sustainable. So putting users at the heart of your in-game economy in a future where gaming and game-like virtual experiences are more important than they are now seems pretty sensible. Move over free to play, welcome play to earn. Axie Infinity's success has many commentators suggesting Axies is to play to earn what Clash of Clans was to free to play, an industry-defining moment that will drive a multi-billion dollar industry. The excitement around how NFTs can work in gaming is pretty much unparalleled to anything else in the space. Even when we talk about art in the sense of virtual galleries and music in the sense of virtual performances. Gaming and free world roaming seem to be inextricably linked to every aspect of culture. It feels like the building blocks for a more immersive metaverse, which functions as a new form of economy, one that might one day enjoy supremacy to many fiat economies. The tech might not yet be there, but suddenly the vision, verve and excitement is. And ownership is at the core of that. Patrick James, a crypto investor, thinks the fact that we can increasingly own and trade digital goods in game could be the thing that leads to real mass adoption of NFTs. Gaming, gamification, and NFTs seem a match made in heaven. And the generations to come, who will be metaverse natives, are going to spend a lot of time playing in this space.
5: Um, I really think that the future of NFTs is in games and gamification, you know, as soon as you are able to own every single thing that's in your backpack in any kind of video game um, and trade and have a, that as a trading mechanism, I think that's where you're really going to get and talk to the generations that will drive mass adoption in, in the sector.
0: This, of course, won't happen overnight. Games take a lot longer to build in general than a piece of art, or even a piece of music. As Ari Melich, co-founder of Decentraland puts it, gaming in the future could have an impact on hundreds of millions of lives when NFTs are introduced throughout gaming economies. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And as I've already said, when is important because the development of these games takes years. We're only at the beginning of what will be one of the most transformed and disrupted industries due to nfts
11: so i'm pretty hopeful that this will this is only the beginning uh we've seen the first phase of mainstream adoption because what we've seen so far is really like brand marketing plays, people tokenizing their ip people tokenizing part of their trademark in a way I think something a lot more interesting will come where the greatest content creators, the game developers uh, that have uh, created games that affected the lives of hundreds of millions of people are going to start introducing NFTs uh, into their economies. I mean, that's already happening from all the conversations I'm having with uh, game studios, but games take uh, a lot longer to develop. So... I think then the second phase of adoption is going to be fueled by games instead of digital art. And I'm very looking forward to that.
0: To do this, however, like much of the NFT space, it has to become more accessible. Axie Infinity have shown the way in terms of scholarships for those in less wealthy regions of the world. But if this is about ownership, how does Web3 make digital collectibles and assets easy to purchase? For this to touch billions of people, we must have a digital economy that is robust enough to not just create mountains of value in the most rare and scarce of items, but also have items that are widely available, affordable and easily purchasable. This will be the next paradigm of the NFT space. As James Ferguson, co-founder of Immutable and blockchain game, Gods Unchained puts it... Gods Unchained is an online strategy trading card game based on the play-to-earn model. Its trading cards are NFTs with real-world value based on their native Gods token.
12: ...game,
0: Gods Unchained puts it... These are some of the really important questions that people in the space are beginning to grapple with.
10: These are some of the questions which game developers need to grapple with. How can you create a game which is approachable, engaging, will go the distance and has these elements of ownership within them without creating a massive barrier to entry? And there are some amazing different systems which you can come up with which allow this to happen. How can you allow people to share in the success of a game without making sure that different NFTs are, you know, price potential players out? How can you ensure that you can reward people who are playing and allow them to start entering this game while still having a fully stable economic system?
0: Gaming seems like it's going to be at the very centre of the future of our digital lives. Remember, game studios reach more people globally than any movie studio. It's not currently at the forefront of the NFT world, but it's a struggle to see how they won't be in the future. 4.5 billion was spent by users in VR gaming in 2020. The tech might be early, but when you start combining the aspect of interactive digital goods, virtual reality, in-game economies, virtual real estate and owned digital characters and avatars you can see how this might play out. And remember it's not just about ownership it's about the ability to take a digital good from one virtual world or game and port or use it in another. This interoperability juxtaposes what we currently know in the gaming world If you own a card on FIFA or a skin on Fortnite, you can't pick those up and take them out of their respective virtual walls. And if it's not gaming, it's gamification. People are buying digital characters and avatars now for a lot of money, and many see them as nothing more than a social status play or a form of artwork. People are spending money on digital land that will one day be built upon, but currently doesn't have much use there are those who see the vision that these avatars, characters and lands in the future could be cornerstones of our digital world and NFTs the incentives for economic activity. As Jeff Zerlin puts it, this is more than just gaming.
9: NFT games are more than games, they're entire digital economies, right? So people are spending for uh, many reasons, right? There's, also, there's speculation, there's uh, status, uh, right there are very rare assets um that people you know will buy and you know they they I think when you know that you own something and there's the potential later to sell it uh you're willing to spend more right so we shouldn't be comparing in game spend of nft economies to other games we should be looking at how much people spend on pokemon cards or uh, magic, you know, magic, the gathering cards, right. Which is like, there's also, there's also a lot of money spent there. Right. So one of the things that we're doing is really giving these properties of physical, uh, game assets or physical collectibles, uh, to, uh, to digital, uh, game assets. Right. So why, why would somebody spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a first edition Charizard, um right a lot of those reasons right for status respect and the fact that there is this element of speculation and you know that it is a store of value a lot of these things are also driving spend in these in-game digital economies
0: one thing's for sure our future digital lives are going to be gamified the question is who writes the rules of the game and can we see them with nfts all logic is on chain Transparent and immutable. The cultural changes we'll see from NFTs are already happening and will change our lives forever. But what about societal issues? How can NFTs help create a more inclusive future digital world to ensure those who are marginalised societally or economically are not disadvantaged? How is something built that helps people transcend social or economic class and status? We have the opportunity to ensure the future of our digital world can be fair, equitable and just. We've already touched on the Ax Infinity use case and the play-to-earn space. This is a new realm of financial inclusion. The ability to earn tangible rewards through playing a game that directly translate to money is a fascinating concept that is already changing lives. Gabby Dizon thinks this will touch billions of people in a highly inclusive way. Financial services, banking, payments and new financial technology called FinTech have all made incremental progress to try and service the underserved. Even Facebook had tried to reinvent itself around financial inclusion with its own version of cryptocurrency called Libra. But are any of these innovations doing anything nearly as much as Axie Infinity in terms of helping people generate more income than they were before? This is financial inclusion meets gaming in the form of NFTs.
8: The interesting thing about play to earn is that uh, through the kind of act of gaming, which, you know, billions of people around the world can do, you can actually enable financial inclusion by, by the element of having NFTs that earn yield.
0: Sadly, most wealth and power in the world today is still controlled by 0.01% of the global population. Made up of typically white, straight men. Digitally speaking, we have the opportunity through NFTs to design for a more open and inclusive economy for the metaverse. Angie Taylor tells us about her role in helping women in the crypto space and people that identify as she by creating the She Art Exhibition. She believes there is a misconception there aren't enough women in NFTs, and in particular, crypto art but it is in fact that they, like in the traditional art world, aren't valued the same and subsequently aren't afforded the same platform to develop their profiles and careers. She-Art came about uh, as part of that. Um, Basically,
3: there were a lot of women doing crypto art, but not actually speaking very much or posting their work very much. I just noticed there was a general lack of confidence amongst women, so... Uh Sparrow and I both started up different lists for crypto artists who ID'd as female or she. And um that kind of we ended up talking about doing an exhibition just to try and give people a bit of a leg up and give them a bit more confidence to talk about their work. So I ended up doing the She Art exhibition and crypto voxels. So getting into crypto voxels and building that gallery and doing the She Art Exhibition was a really I feel like that got me really sort of rooted into
0: the crypto art community at that point. Sparrow, who Angie mentions, also references this strong support network that has now merged. She speaks about the marginalisation she and many other women initially felt entering the space, so decided to network, promote and build together. She talks about the beginnings of her journey in the space, as well as starting Woka, Women of Crypto Art, a platform which highlights some of the best new art on the blockchain by women or anyone that identifies as she.
12: Being a part of this space when it was new and growing was amazing because you could do things and have outsized impact in, in certain ways. Just having the idea for WOCA and saying to a couple of people, you know, Giselle and Stina, and then Angie joined, and, you know, everyone else, we should have a, a group where female artists, women artists, can promote each other and support each other and, and do all of the networking that we tend to get left out of. <laughs> We'll just do it ourselves. And having that happen and having it so well received by pretty much everyone is amazing. Just one little thing that you do can have such big impact. And I think that's one of the things that makes this whole space really exciting.
0: Although both Angie and Sparrow both referenced the growth we saw in women in crypto art specifically, Silly Tuner still sees the demographic of male versus female in the space being a major problem. We definitely have a long way to go. And he says it's on all of us to encourage and platform diverse groups of artists creating NFTs. He talks about how he consciously tries to not just be another white man in his 40s buying art and NFTs from people that look like him.
7: He's addressed the demographic of male versus female, which I think is a problem. I collect NFT designer toys. I collect and I trade them. The one I like the most right now is one called Pips. If you go and look at Pips artwork, which you can find on Rareable or OpenSea, that is not targeted at a male audience. I might be a male collector, but that artwork is fantastic. And it is not male targeted at all. And I think the more we see artists, like a diverse group of artists getting involved, the more they'll find an audience that is not that over 30 male demographic or white males or whatever we need to have a diverse group of artists creating diversity of art that would also be reflected in games increasingly but that that takes a lot longer it's it's art where will come first so i think it's on all of us to encourage that and to help bring people into the ecosystem but what surprised me is like how how this how good that artwork was and how targeted it is yet it has forgotten audience and it can't just be me
0: Like women, people of colour have been historically marginalised in culture, art, business and technology, and NFTs are all of the above and sadly seem to be extending this trend with the representation of both women and people of colour lacking in the space. This has been made impossible to ignore when black and black female floor punks, the lowest priced crypto punk avatars, are consistently the cheapest in market because of a lack of demand in the community. Connie Digital, a black crypto artist, is however optimistic that in the future, as NFTs and crypto art become more of a global phenomena, creators and builders will look to tap into more diverse audiences as demand for products and services that speak to them grow. And even suggests identity and how people self-identify might change the more our social identities are forged online through perhaps multiple avatars specific to different contexts.
5: A lot of crypto, there, there's a big thing around anonymity or pseudo anonymity, where there could be great representation of Black people, people of color that we just don't really know about because their avatar is a crypto punk, which is interesting. I will say, though, it is early days and you know we still have to onboard mainstream the masses and stuff like that. There are communities for everybody right now, whether that's people of color, women, whatever it is it exists right now. You can find that community. They're most likely on Twitter or on Discord. What what happens is throughout history, people of color and women specifically have been marginalized. And so I think there's that energy that kind of seeps into the conversation we're having now around Web3 and and NFTs and crypto, because that's just kind of been the norm, the way things have been. But I don't necessarily think that is the way it has to be within this new world, right? I think the metaverse allows us to connect globally with a wide variety of people. And uh, I think everybody uh, should be highlighted and can be highlighted.
0: We've shown how far from being some frivolous or purely speculative thing, NFTs promise to be both a new form of social media that connects the creator to their fans, but much, much more than that. The building blocks for a new global digital economy, an open economy in the metaverse. And whilst there are still many teething pains, we're beginning to see the power of this new economy to change lives. Whether it's Axies paying bills and putting food on the table in Southeast Asia, Crypto art elevating the role of women in art more generally, or DAOs as open and inclusive digital organizations helping disparate communities dotted across the world to grow and manage collective wealth. It should be clear to you by now NFTs are going to change culture, business, and society at large. They're going to change billions of lives. And whilst NFT markets experience boom and bust cycles, just like in crypto, They are a wealth-generating machine and will generally leave people better off. Rob Ness, who we've referenced many times throughout the documentary, actually gives us some incredibly personal insights into his struggles before NFTs when he was homeless. He references losing everything in the first 2017 crypto bull run and having to rebuild himself entirely from scratch. But despite that, he believes crypto and NFTs have changed his his family and his friends' lives forever, for the better.
13: Four or five years ago, uh, my life was totally different. And I'll share. I'll share with you honestly. You know, I was I was homeless, living in my car. You know, by the beach. I'd, I'd wake up every morning, six in the morning, take an ice cold swim in the ocean, and pretend to be a normal functioning adult um, to the rest of society. When you know, uh, some, some friends of mine figured it out and they're like, How, wow, you're doing a pretty good job of, of masking that. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, I have no shame in, in, um, in saying what my position was, uh, five years ago. And I, and that, and, and also too, that was after, that was after, uh, the last bull run. and I lost everything, you know, talk about a degen, I, I traded myself to zero. And so I, I learned a hard lesson. So, you know, all those things happened, uh, four to five years ago. And, um, and today, I mean, the, uh, crypto art space and the collectors, it's changed my entire life. It really has. And, um, I can't thank everybody that's in- involved, you know? And a great thing too, is a lot of these artists came from nowhere as well. I mean, I don't want to say nowhere, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know, for example, Carlos like Carl's most coming from, uh, you know, Mexico and just everywhere. Uh, just every point on the planet, you know, uh, o- Osanachi, Nigeria, um, uh, uh Matiasi, Italy, um, It's wonderful to see.
0: It's a powerful story and highlights the enabling aspect of NFTs. People used to talk about the American dream of migrating from another country, seeking out opportunity and to better themselves. But now suddenly, people are migrating their time and attention, often without physically moving geographies to the metaverse. And crypto and NFTs are what increasingly underpin its economy. Its opportunities are endless, its borders boundless, and makes us ever more globally connected. It's a great message to end this documentary on, but it's important to remember NFTs, just like any other technology, are not the antidote to all the world's problems. And just like with social media, they will bring their own hidden challenges. They are a social currency, a social media without a platform. They're about status and belonging. As Jim McNellis puts it, NFTs are the next fucking thing.
8: I I don't know. I think NFTs are everything. Uh, And as Nate Alex would put it, uh, they are the next fucking thing, NFT. So that's what NFTs are. They're the next fucking thing.
0: This podcast was brought to you by NFTs.What the fuck? a digital magazine and media platform dedicated to documenting the past, present and future of NFTs. This episode of The History and Future of NFTs is an audio documentary based on interviews conducted and narrated by me, Jamie Burke. The podcast was written, produced and edited by Pep Barisha. This episode of the podcast featured... Daniel Maygard, Whale Shark, Angie Taylor, Moxley, Joy, Connie Digital, Matthew Ferrick, Lupefy, Gary V, Silly Tuna, Stephen Vasilev, Gabby Dizon, Jeff Zerlin, Sebastian Borget, Patrick James, Ari Milich, James Ferguson, Angie Taylor, Sparrow, Rob Ness, and Jim McNellis.